Thank you for joining me in my session uh, about how making uh, AWS Azure communities more inclusive. Uh, today I'm going to share my actions, what I do and what I think uh, can help make uh, our AWS Israel user group more inclusive. And I think this also applies to other technical communities and to the entire technical field as well. So let's I'll start by telling you a little bit about myself. My name is Nir and I come from Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, I'm a DevOps leader at what used to be SkyCure. Uh, it was a little startup and about a year ago it was uh, purchased by Symantec. Now I'm part of Ceph Mobile. It's the department in Symantec that is in charge of the modern operating system security. Uh, the operating system that we carry in our packets, our cell phones. Um, besides that, I'm also a psychology student at the Open University, which allows me to study psychology independently while still maintaining a full-time job. And I'm also a AWS Israel community leader, and which I will spoke, speak in a little while. What am I going to talk about today? I will speak about women-only communities. Uh, I will mention some pros that women-only communities have. Some of them are quite obvious, and I'm sure you've heard about them before. Uh, while others are a bit more specific to Israel and to the population that we have. Uh, I'm also going to speak about cons of women-only communities. I know that the cons of women-only communities are not as spoken about as the pros, but I think that it's very important to mention them because it will help us plan our next step for real equality better. Uh, everything I'm going to say is my perspective and my opinion. I know that there are lots of people who work at this, who work at making communities more inclusive and the entire field more inclusive. I'm not one of these people. I'm just, can, I just can share my perspective and what I see as a woman and as an employee in the technical field. So take everything. Uh, remember that I'm not a professional. I'm, this is not my job. Um, and the bottom line of my talk will be what I think should be the next step for real gender equality. Uh, a little bit about AWS Israel community. Our community was founded in 2013, which is more than five years ago. We had more than 80 meetups and we have more than 6,000 members, which makes it the largest community, AWS, AWS user community in the entire world. You can see why I'm so proud of this. Uh, we have monthly meetups, each time on a different topic with a different uh, level of uh, talks, of uh, different level of talks. Sometimes it can be very professional, less times it could be intro, other times it's introduction. And we have one rule of thumb which we follow in every meetup, and it's that the meetups will always be for the community, by the community. We don't allow any marketing or this sort of stuff. Just come and learn and share your experience that you had with AWS. No marketing and not anything like that. So where did it all begin? What am I doing here? Why am I standing here speaking about such a controversial topic while it's got nothing to do with what I do at my daily life? So where did it all begin? If we skip about the part with the birds and the bees, uh, I, was, I am the firstborn daughter to parents who only a couple of months before I was born um, immigrated to Israel from Soviet Russia. So I was expected to fit 
very particular cultural norms about what I wear, how I look, or even what my hobbies are. And at the age of five, I already had four ballet practices a week. And I had a huge amount of dresses in my closet, but they always got torn up because I rather running and jumping around and sitting and playing with dolls. And the ballet didn't last very long, very long either. I had my parents to sign me up for karate instead. And at the school, when we had music education, while all the girls in the class chose to learn how to play the piano, I was sure that me and the French horn were made for each other. And so it went on. And when I was in the eighth grade, uh, I decided that I want to join to a project that it got eight, eight hours after school, uh, which you go and you start to learn for your Cisco certification. At that point, my parents were sure that I'm doing Dafka. Doing Dafka is a common phrase in, in Hebrew, and it means doing something out of spite. And till this day, my parents are sure, are sure that I was doing Dafka when I didn't follow those cultural norms and I didn't fit the, the patterns that they expected me to fit. Um, but I'm sure that I didn't because I just pursued whatever what I like to be and what I pursued my interest. And today, as I'm growing up, I'm quite mad at them that not only they were not supportive, but they will also try to convince me not to doing these things just because they're not the norm, just because they're a bit different, just because my path wasn't what they expected me to be. Well, but I pursued doing it even though, even though they didn't like it, and I'm very pleased that I did. Uh, at the age of 18, I enrolled to the army, to the Israel Defense Force. In Israel, it's mandatory to serve in the army. And I had my fair share of difficulties and challenges in the army. But while, while you might imagine them like this, I promise you they look much more like that. Uh, so yes, I practically did IT for my uh, army service and a little bit of guard duty, but not the software guard duty, but actual guard duty with weapons and everything. Um, and after three and a half years, I got released from the army and in the army, we had uh, men and women in, our, in my team, and we all did everything the same. The, the tasks were given regardless of the gender. So I could install a server in Iraq, or not Iraq, a server rack, <laughs> or it could be a guy. It didn't matter. But uh, so I thought this would stay the same way when I applied to my first job uh, after the army. So I went looking for a job, and I found a job as an IT engineer uh, in a department where I was the only woman. But I didn't really look into this because I didn't think that it mattered. I only wanted to come to do my job as professional as possible uh, and learn as much as I can. And after almost a year in the job, I found out that it will not be so easy. I had my annual review and I was sitting in a room with my boss and my team leader. And they suddenly told me that they heard that I'm quite distant from the rest of the department. And honestly, I was, because the environment was very, very unsafe place 
emotionally for a woman. The, the jokes that they told, the stories that they shared are, were not safe for work, if you understand what I mean. And I chose not to be a part of it. And then my boss said the sentence that brought me down to reality and made me understand that I will have my fair share of challenges because I'm a woman in tech. He told me that they didn't want to hire a woman for this job. They were looking a man for this position and they only accepted me for the job because I was the most qualified one. So that was when I figured out that if I want to get to a certain job, I need to be more qualified than the men that are applying for it. And I really understand why the situation in tech looks the way it does. You can see, for example, in our community, in our community meetup, we have average, average of 70 people arriving to every meetup, while only three of them are women. And the situation is more or less the same when you talk about the whole industry. For example, in the US, you have less than 20% of women in tech position. And in Israel, the situation is not, the numbers are almost the same. We have 26%. Uh, I'm quite optimistic uh, because this 26% is 3% higher than it was last year. And with, the, with more women who come to work in technical jobs, there is also an increase in women-only communities. I see I can find many advantages in women-only communities. For starter, they help to introduce more women to the industry. Those women who were told not to do DAFCA by their parents, and they didn't want to do DAFCA. And they went to dance ballet, and they chose to play the piano, and they went for the path that they were expected to. And as, a, as an adult, uh, the women-only communities allow them to open up to this new field, to this new world that they didn't have a chance to discover. In Israel, it has even a stronger effect because in Israel we have uh, religious women and to be an Orthodox Jew means that you have a certain restrictions when it comes to interaction with a different sex. For example, Orthodox Jew women, Orthodox Jews in general, cannot touch a person of a different gender. Can you imagine a woman, an Orthodox Jew, coming to a technical meetup? I think she wouldn't. And those women-only communities help them discover this field and also boost up a career in the field. Um, and I think that in this case, women-only communities help the 3% the higher from the here before is, much, is a lot thanks to it. Women-only communities also create uh, a safe environment for women. And when I say safe, I don't mean that it's physically safe, but I mean psychologically safe. Women feel safe asking questions with, without feeling like their question is stupid or feeling that they're belittled. Or This is where women feel like they can raise their voice and ask questions and just say everything that comes to their mind. But Amongst with all these advantages, I cannot ignore the big disadvantages that women-only communities have. I know that these are much rarely spoken about, but I think it's very important to, bring it, to be aware of the disadvantages 
So when we plan our next steps for equality, we'll, we'll take them into consideration. So first of all, uh, women-only communities are not represent, do not represent the workplace that we have, which has both men and women. And when women learn to speak up in women-only communities, it won't necessarily mean that she can do it in a workplace, in a workplace where it does matter. So I think that women should learn how to speak up and how to ask questions where, where there are men and women. And when, when I, I, sh I did this presentation at, um, my, at my work, and I said that the advantage of uh, women-only communities is that women are not afraid to ask any questions and while they usually are. And uh, one of my coworkers, a guy, came to me and he shared that it's not something that it's individual to women. Guys are also afraid, men are also afraid to, to ask stupid questions. And all of us, men and women, we need to find our voices and ask questions and don't afraid them to sound stupid. Uh, another thing that bothers me even more is that women who go to women-only events tend to skip gender-mixed events in the same topic. And often when I find myself, often when I'm, I go to no gender restriction event, uh, people approach, people come and ask me, how come I'm the only woman? And I really wanted to get to the bottom of it. But I couldn't find any researches or numbers, so just from speaking to people, this, this is what I found out. But where's the problem in that? Why do I think that it should be different? Why not just let women continue going to women-only events and, and that's it? Well, first of all, uh, because there are still more gender-mixed topics, gender-mixed events that discuss more topics than the women-only events. So when women, when, when women go to women-only events, they miss the chance to hear about those other topics that they might find very interesting. And they shouldn't limit themselves to women-only communities. Uh, the thing that bothers me even more that is that when women go to, when women speak at women-only communities, they miss the chance to show themselves to everybody without any gender restriction. And they only show themselves to women. And I think that it's a shame. I think that they can share their thoughts and ideas in a larger group where it really matters. Uh, the last thing I think it's a little not easy on the year, year but it's really important for me to say. Uh, imagine yourself going online and stumbling across an event that it's, it is men only. I know that I would be very mad. It's not fair, isn't it? And yes, I know, I stand behind all the advantages I shared before about the women-only communities. We had a lot of them. But if we want to speak about a real equality, it has to be fair, in my opinion. I think that it should go both ways. We need to get what we're, we need to give what we expect to get. And this is why I think that in the next steps, we need to see how we tone down the women-only communities and we stop making some gender restriction like we don't want to see in the other way, in the other way around. So what can be done uh, to make communities more inclusive? Well, first of all, we can proactively encourage women to join gender mixed uh, 
communities. What I did was find forums online that are women only and proactively invite them to join me in gender mixed events. Uh, it, for starters, it gave them the, this, the notion that they won't be the only women there because I will also be there. And second of all, they will also, they, now they know about this event that maybe they didn't know about earlier. Uh, another idea that I could come up with is collabor collaborating with women-only communities. I think that it's a really win-win situation because you get more members to your community and you get more inclusive community with uh, new people. And the women-only community gets an event that fits its interests and also the women get a chance to go to a little different event that maybe they didn't, that they wouldn't go if it was in a different way and they're still doing it with, surrounded by, by many familiar faces. Um, affirmative action. <laughs> this topic, I know that it's very controversial and uh, let me just remind you that I'm speaking only from my own experience and from what I experienced as a woman as an, and as an employee in this field and I hope you bear with me. Uh, let me start with an example that has nothing to do to our field, to the technological field. Any Rick and Morty fan, fans in the, cloud, crowd, the crowd, in the cloud? Okay, not much. Well, let me tell you that uh, until the last season, uh, Rick and Morty had only four writers, four guys, four men writers. And in the last season, Dan Harmon and Justin Rowlett decided to add four new writers. All four of them are female. This actually created, creates a 50-50 split between men writers and women writers in the show. They did it in order to give some more female voice to the show. And I think that, I'm sure that Dan Harmon and Justin Rowland had uh, planned everything correctly and they looked for the most appropriate women to do this job. But what I'm afraid of is that when sometimes people take an affirmative action in the technological field, they lower the bar for women uh, when you compare it to the bar that they do for men. What I mean is that when a guy wants to get into a certain position, he has to stand on a higher, he has to fit to a higher bar than a woman does. And where's the problem in that? After all, we just want to make our Workspace, workplace more inclusive, more diverse. Uh, well, the problem in that is that when this guy who studied hard is working with a girl who maybe is less experienced than he is, he gets the impression that women are less professional than guys. And this is where, where I see the problem. So I'm sure that there is a way to make affirmative action in a way that won't hurt the women reputation in tech. But my point is that we need to be very careful with it. So what can be done? Uh, besides from, uh, oops, besides from uh, affirmative action, I think that another thing that we can do is expanding the funnel. And what I mean by expecting, expanding the funnel is to try to avoid the need to make some affirmative action in the future. 
and go to where it all begins, to the childhood. Uh, in Israel, we have a project that it's called Mechane Meshutaf. Uh, yes, you can try to read it. You spell it with plem. If you see Nachmed the terrorist, never mind. Um, and Mechane Meshutaf, in English, it means uh, common ground. And what this project does uh, is to, go, it goes to school to eight to ninth grade where in Israel, this is exact, the exact age before you need to choose your majors. And it shows boys that they can be sensitive and play with dolls, and they still be manly if they want. And it shows girls that they can choose uh, a measure from what they like, for what makes it interesting for them. They don't have to stick with arts and music. They can study uh, physics, and they can study computers, and still stay women and not, it won't be weird, it will not be, it will, it will be okay. Um, so I think this project is a great, great way to raise the next generation in a way that we won't need uh, affirmative action on women-only communities. Uh, another thing that can be done is tightening the demographic gap. Well, in Israel, I'm sure most of you heard that Israel is sometimes referred to as a startup nation. Uh, well, actually, uh, not all of Israel is a startup nation. Only we have high tech and big companies only in uh, several locations in Israel, mostly in the center and in the big cities. For example, you can take a look at Carmiel, the city I grew up in, and Tel Aviv, the city where I work at. It's a day and night difference, isn't it? But no, seriously. Uh, it's only, Israel is uh, a startup nation only thanks to a few very specific locations where there are these jobs, that high-tech jobs and uh, startups. And there's a project called Apple Seeds Academy that helps to spread the high-tech and the technical word through, through the places that are not part of them. For example, in this map, you can see that the blue locations are what makes Israel the startup nation. And I know that in this picture it's hard to, to understand that Israel is very a very small country and I dare you to look it up in the globe, I don't know if you'll find it. But even though it's a small, small country, we have much more cities than the eight you can see in blue. And what Apple Seeds Academy does is to bring the technological world and, and help people of all ages to get to know this world in all the pink locations. And I think that this, is, this does a great job in diversity. It also works in places where there are minorities, uh, which you can see the demographic gap is bigger. Uh, so I think it, it does a great job. Uh, another thing that can be done is creating a safe and comfortable environment for women. And again, I don't mean safe physically. I'm sure that all of you who work at, at corporate, corporates or even in the medium or small companies have those guidelines where you need to make the workplace, workplace out of uh, free of harassment and all these things. But when I say uh, safe environment, I mean psychologically safe, and we need to hear everyone out. 
not only the people who think the same as we do, but also people who take differently. And we need to really listen to them. Even if we eventually don't go in their way, in their path, I think that everybody should get a place to say what they think and to share their thoughts. And I think that it goes both ways. It goes for women as well. And that women, that we need to find the way to raise our voice and to share our opinion in a way that it's not, it don't get hurt by everything that is different from what we're, we're thinking and accept other opinions. And that's it. In the remaining time, uh, I would like to, not much of a Q&A, but more of a discussion. I would like to hear your thoughts and opinions and to know what you think. Do you have any suggestions for cultivating that psychological safety in a like a meetup group that maybe only meets once a month? So you like it's it's one thing to cultivate it in a team at work that you're seeing every day, but with a meetup group and it's only once a month and then some online communication in between. So how do you do you have ideas for going about cultivating that safety? So if I understand correctly, you're asking me if I have an idea on how to make it work in a communication that is mostly online. Right, yeah. Right. So I think what, what, I, what I said also is true in this case. I mean, you can find women-only communities online. Maybe not, not you, but I, I'm sure that you know uh, professional women who is part of your community and she can go online and join some women-only communities and ask them to join, join the, the forums that you use online. I mean, we have our Slack. I don't know uh, if it works for you. So you can ask her to send out Slack invitation or share your user group uh, on Facebook or on meetup.com. Uh, I think this will work uh, online as well. Do you think um, operating systems, well, not operating systems, but um, avenues such as Slack and Facebook kind of level the playing field? and make things a little more equal um, between men and women since it's just people typing at each other? Um, I never thought of it that way, but okay, let me answer you with something that I read sometimes. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but there's uh, an add-on to the email called Say No Sorry. The, there is this woman, unfortunately I can't remember her name, but she created a plugin for the mail that is meant for women to use because she found out that women are often writing in a more apologetic way. For example, oh, sorry for the late response. Oh my God, just let me ask you just a little question and stuff like that. So I think that typing and writing will not make will not tighten the, the gap between men and women. I think that even when typing and writing, women tend to be more insecure about the way they, uh, they interact. And I think that, for example, for me, being aware of the fact that I am more apologetic, that I'm too apologetic when I write down emails, the fact that I'm aware of it made me want to work on it. And every time I finish an email, I go over it and I make sure that I wrote down the things that I needed to write down and not 
anything touchy. And I think it helps people to take you more seriously. Did it answer your question? Hi. Uh, I think you captured some of the challenges really well. The, <clears throat> the thing I guess I'd like to build on that, some of the work we've been doing is recognizing, I think, the, the confidence gap between men and women. Certainly we see it when it comes up to sort of end of year performance reviews and, <clears throat> and the, the, the men are far more, you know, I've just saved the planet and, and, and the ladies are sort of, well, I'm, I'm doing an okay job and, and actually they're not, they're doing just as great a job as everyone else. So it's about how do you build confidence then in, you know, in your female community to sort of um, make them recognize that they are better than what they seem to think they are. Can you, can you ask it again? I didn't hear. Well, I guess it, it's less of a question, really, just more of it, you know, for us, it, it's around, uh, you know, what, what action can you make in, in building confidence in, in the female community? So it's about, uh, you know, maybe training or something like that in terms of building up the confidence levels so they recognise they are at the same level or, or higher than the other colleagues around them. Yeah, this could, this could be a great idea, like um, making them aware that that the fact that they are more shy or more uh, self-conscious doesn't make them uh, less professional. And I spoke about it uh, just before my session started, about the fact that just saying that guys are as, as afraid and as scared as girls are makes it even easier to, to ask questions out loud. And I think just uh, things that make women aware that Everybody is afraid and everybody has this imposter syndrome that everybody can feel like they are not professional enough. Uh, sometimes the knowledge, the notion of it can make it enough to, to reach some level of security. Hello. Um, so I think you touched on that as well with the last question. Um, you, you said that you want to make sure you're not apologizing as much in emails. Do you think that as guys we need to actually apologize more? Uh, <laughs> um, are we too brash at times? Do we need to do something to change our behavior? What, what's your thoughts on that? Okay, so let me make myself clear. I, I think that we all need to apologize whenever we do something wrong. Um, by not being so apologetic, I mean that sometimes uh, I find myself stating a fact like a question, like, Somebody is asking a question in the room and I find myself knowing the answer, uh, pronouncing it like it was a question because I was insecure, because I was not sure. And by, when I said that I, we need to be less apologetic, this is what, what I meant. But I think that everybody needs to be polite and it has nothing to do with men or women. Um, going back to your experience as a child where you were more interested in, you know, the French horn than the piano or karate versus ballet, what, do you have any ideas as to why you were more interested in those things and how we, could, how we can cultivate that in, in, you know, other children? Okay. Um, 
<laughs> it's a really tough question. I think that it has to do with things that I'm not aware of, of some unconscious thing that probably made me interested in, in those things. Uh, I think I'm just a more technical person. I also, lo I always loved disassembling things and assembling them. And this is what I found interesting, but I don't think that we need to enforce any interests in any interests on people. I mean, if if I will, I think that if my kid maybe one day uh, would wanna go dance ballet, even if she's a girl and her favorite color would be pink, that would be also okay. She doesn't have to study computers. Uh, I think that we don't have to to. I think that no matter what they choose, we need to accept it as long as it makes them happy. Uh, and I don't really have an answer on how to make somebody want this or that. Hello, um, I'm thinking about your uh, situation where people can't touch other genders. Do you feel it would be helpful to have a video conferencing for meetups, for example, maybe where people can join remotely? Uh, what, what do you mean? Uh, so when you have a meeting, have a video conference where people can participate, not in the room. So you, you, you say that maybe it will make women more comfortable? Yes, that's one of Well, I think that this is very individual. Uh, for me, for example, this will make it harder for me because now I can read the room, for example, and in video, video conference, I cannot do it. Uh, maybe other person would prefer that because he can put himself on mute when he's got nothing to say. So I think it's very individual. Okay, I'm just wondering, because in the US, the workforce is becoming more and more remote. And I find there's actually less jokes and less harassment when everybody's not in the same room. <laughs> okay, I, I don't think that we should separate men from women in order to avoid harassment. I just think that <laughs> we should make it clear that there shouldn't be any harassment. This is kind of a question for everybody. I am new in my position. I've been there a little less than a year and I don't work with a lot of other women. So I'm always in the position where when I ask a question, I have to say, well, I'm, I'm asking because I don't know. And really it's I'm asking because you need to do it a different way. But that's the way I, I try to interact so they don't feel threatened. So I'm curious if the guys have noticed it too, but when they piss me off, they see me and they don't know what to do with that they kind of get quiet and back away because that's, that's not how I am day to day. So I'm curious if anybody else does that or if you've recognized it in other people. Yeah. Um, do you think it would matter, do you think it would be different if you were a man? I mean, people would be less surprised that, that you are aggressive if you were a man? No, that's yeah. what I mean, yeah. And often women that know things that are not apologetic come across as more rude while they're doing the same things that men do and they come across just guys, just not rude, just normal people. And I think that it's uh, unconscious bias we all have and being aware of it, it's a good start to, to know that maybe this person is not rude, she's just not what you used to see. Hey there. Um, 
I'm wondering if there's anything that uh, could be done, like to say, I'm uh, talking about, um, say, community meetings or uh, sort of meetups or anything. Um, you know, in uh, might see uh, at certain meetups, you might see pronoun tags. You might see the, um, certain groups might have accessibility uh, statements. They may have code of conduct. Is there anything that could be done at meetups to say, I will have a statement saying that it's a, you know, a be, uh, it's a safe environment for women, or that, um, you know, I'm wondering if the, the, the community couldn't adopt a some sort of statement that says that it's a safe place for w women, you know, uh, proactively and outwardly. Uh, thoughts on that? Uh, what do you think about uh, the idea that collaborating with women-only communities, like you have a woman yeah. community leader and you find her online, <laughs> not in a disturbing way, just yeah. like you chat with her on LinkedIn or on Facebook or whatever, and you suggest to do something together. And I think that it's a great way of saying we, we want we make women feel comfortable in our meetups. Uh, this is a solution that works for me. Yeah, better. good idea. Thanks for sharing your story. I'm still like processing a lot of this, and I notice it's mostly men asking and sharing a lot of thoughts here. So I guess um, something that I try and do, I have a daughter, and I think a lot about the stories that you've shared of let her and encourage her to go explore and do anything she wants. And hearing your story about Israel just reminds me it's, it's a global thing. It's not domestic US or anything else. And, Something I've tried to do is just listen more and understand more. And I, you said a number of things. I just want to thank you for being gracious and sharing your story about the intent and outcome. I think a lot of us as men, it's not our intent necessarily to do what we do, but it might come across the outcome um, not being what we intend to do. It might be hurtful versus helpful. Um, where I work, we have a women in IT community. It's, it's really large, and it was definitely a private community at first. And um, they educated the men why they were doing it, and they get to a point of maturity where they open it up, and now, now we consider ourselves allies. And it starts with this, it's just having the conversation, having the narrative, and being comfortable to say, you, you were stupid, you made a mistake, and this is how I felt. Um, but also being open to us, because uh, we live in a pretty protective world too. You mentioned um, people in the workplace, and you know, as a male leader in an organization, it's not a, a great place to go, like if I have a woman on my team, how are you doing? I might know she's pregnant. I have relationships, so I'll ask them how they're doing. That's a pretty sensitive thing where a lot of my peers won't, and I understand the women might not want to be asked that either because are you asking me because I'm not coming back to work? Um, it's a, you hit on a, a lot of things, which is it's a really uncomfortable thing. I think about when I, the more I've researched, like through the 80s, it was pretty close to 50-50. We didn't talk about it and really highlight it, but I have a, a mainframe team and it's actually 52% women compared to men. But that's also because of when they started in, in their careers and if you talk to them, they, they don't think it's a big deal until they look at their peer group on the distributed side. So I'll shut up here and just say, you know, thanks for kind of facilitating the conversation. I don't really have any answers other than to say, I think it's a lot more of what we're doing here. It's about education. It's about having those hard conversations and just being open to trying different things. So thanks, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And I really think that there are more challenges than ideas and solutions when it comes to what to do and what not to do, how to make uh, this field more inclusive. 
but I think that if we speak about these challenges openly and without getting offended, we will be on the right track to mending them, to find a real solution. Okay, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for hearing me out.